Hello, everybody, and welcome into another exciting episode of Bloody Good Horror. My name's Eric, and I'll be your host for this evening, where we will be reviewing Lisa Frankenstein. That's the name of the movie. Joining me tonight, first up from sunny San Francisco, please welcome Rachel to the show. It actually is sunny today. It has been wow. a long slog of a, what do they call it? An atmospheric river has sucked a million butts here for like a month. <laughs> and today the sun came out. It was amazing. I love it. Next up uh, from Schnarr's land here, Philadelphia, PA. Please welcome Mr. Joe Ferry to the show. What's going on, everybody? How you doing? How are you doing, Joe? Recovering from doing the Eagles postseason? Oh, you know what? I learned that instead of watching men in tights run a ball up and down the field, watching a bunch of teenagers just get murdered in increasingly <laughs> violent ways is a way better way oh, to that's spend right. one you, day. You skipped the Super Bowl, right? And went to some kind of I like did. movie marathon. Yeah. Yes. I watched uh, <laughs> lots of horror movies from 1981. It's a good year. They it were all from 81? All from 81. That's awesome. Yeah. Yeah. Love it. Well, last up tonight from Indiana. Please welcome Casey to the show. Hello. <clears throat> We're here tonight to talk about Lisa Frankenstein. I didn't even know it was directed by Zelda Williams until mm. that it said that on the screen. Yeah. No. Daughter of the late, great Robin Williams. Yeah. And That's her right. Date you. Mm-hmm. Uh, Casey, you saw a couple of trailers. I wanted to bring up the one. I wanted to bring up this one specifically because John doesn't like it, but yeah. you and I both think it might be fun. And this is the one with the vampire kid, Abigail. Abigail, Abigail. yes. Yeah. It, like, it gets kidnapped. But they don't know if she's a vampire, and then she like murders all the kidnappers, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah, it looks fun, and it really gives me. So it's by the same person, the director that did Megan. Or is it the producers? I forget. I and it's then the producers. it's a Blumhouse. Yeah, I think it's yeah, a Blumhouse. but it's Blumhouse. But it was in. The, I saw Ready or Not uh, mentioned in the credits too. So yes, that re- and this yes. trailer really kind of gives me the vibes of Megan in Re- a Ready or Not house, and I'm down for it. <laughs> yeah. Yep. Definitely. I just want to bring it up because John keeps being a party pooper about it, but yeah. he's not here. And he'll never listen to this. So there we go. And he was resisting. He was resisting Eric and I's efforts over text last night. <laughs> yeah, he was being withholding as per <laughs> usual. <laughs> All right, let's do it. Let's take a quick break and talk about Lisa Frankenstein. This is it, Jennifer. Your big break in TV. Not the front time. Rachel, world famous reality TV superstar. Oh my God. <laughs> Slow <Rachel>. down. <laughs> I'm on one thing for one minute. <laughs> what is it? Tell people. Oh, okay. <laughs> I'm afraid they're going to go find it out. So <laughs> I'm going to be on an upcoming episode of a classy little joint called For the Love of Dilfs, <laughs> in which... <laughs> is that what it's called? <laughs> <laughs> it's 
Oh my God. In which himbos come into the Dilf Manor in hopes of finding themselves <laughs> a daddy. Wow. <laughs> it is intergenerational love. Wait, wait. Oh man, we should have saved this for after the review because now I have so many questions. <laughs> it's a gay back. dating show. Yes. Specifically about Dilfs. Right, yes. which yeah. that's Daddies, yeah. people know uh-huh. what that means, right? Mm-hmm. Okay, but like, are they actually parents then, or are they some of them? Okay, of them. I mean, yeah, you could be. There's several ways you could get there, yes. So, so a daddy is more about like an age and sort of spirit, you know, like an older gay this, man what? who like wants to take care of his like twinky younger. Gentleman. It's like it's like it's like milf. Yeah. Like sometimes it's an honorific you just get by being a certain yeah. age. Right. Yeah, got it. <laughs> Correct. Yeah, yeah. I can't like, wait to Casey, watch. Big Daddy energy for sure. Yeah, he's giving daddy. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> all right. <laughs> Would you like me to go and 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 tell you what all of you are in gay culture? No, <laughs> I the honor. Who's oh, that? <laughs> That's me. Yeah. <laughs> but, no, but can, I, can I get that printed out so I can tell Colleen that somebody said I'm giving daddy? <laughs> <laughs> sure. <laughs> I love it. We got to get it on a shirt. <laughs> well, we're learning lots of words here tonight, Rachel. In the spirit of that, please yeah. bring us the word of the day. What an honor. I cannot believe that I've been given this uh, this gift. Sorry, John. I'm going to do my best. Um we're going to be talking about a little word that I learned today for the first time, surprisingly, which is uh, iverate, which is to castrate, to emasculate. It is oh. a transitive verb, and it comes from the Latin iveratus, which is a past participle of iverate. So the reason I bring that up is there may be a little bit of the old snip snip in this movie that we'll be talking about today. <laughs> I mean, surely there's an unrated cut somewhere where there's more of that, right? You would mm-hmm. think? Well, you I do th- know for a fact that there is a, there are a lot of things were dialed back in the final version. Um, you can tell, yeah. What well, was it yeah. rated? PG-13. That's what I thought. Really? It felt yeah. like they're pushing the edges of a PG-13. Yeah, for sure. Yeah. Mm-hmm. All right, uh, Rachel, uh, why don't you tell me who made this and what it's about? Sure. So Lisa Frankenstein was directed by Zelda Williams. This is her first feature film debut. Before this, she'd done some short films. She also is known for a lot of acting work and voice work she did, like she was on Legend of Korra. And she is the daughter of the late, great Robin Williams. And it is written by, and this is probably the name most people will be familiar with, Diablo Cody, who also wrote Jennifer's Body, Young Adult, which is a movie that I love so much. Um, There's a whole story about how this came about where it was actually Diablo Cody's boyfriend sent the script to Zelda Williams, but didn't put her name on it. And she was like, he was like, we read my girlfriend's script and she read it and fell in love with it and then found out it was Diablo Cody. What a fun surprise. Academy Award winner, <laughs> Diablo Cody. Nice. Yeah. So, oh, synopsis. So basically this follows the titular Lisa Frankenstein, or actually her name is Lisa Swalls. She's kind of an oddball Lydia Dietz-like character who... Hmm. Um, had a very traumatic, a very horror appropriate traumatic childhood event that has now kind of led her to a place where she really sort of identifies with the dead. She spends her time hanging out in cemeteries as you do and um, kind of insinuating herself into this new family, this new blended family where she doesn't really fit in. 
she has a crush on a local corpse who, of course, since this is like an 80s movie homage, is resurrected from the dead and um, becomes kind of her companion. And they go on, he needs a little bit of assembly. Um, and so they go on a little bit of a uh, spree of finding the parts that she he needs to, co- to complete himself. Um while kind of like finding justice for various ills that in in Lisa's life, and it's kind of an eighties build a bitch gender flip uh, <laughs> romantic <Yeah>. horror comedy. <laughs> and the cat, so it's got um, what, which one? Which Sprouse is in this? Cole. Cole. So it stars Cole Sprouse as the creature, and, and is he, I assume he's the one that's in. I think he's the only one that still acts, right? And he was in Riverdale and stuff. Yeah. He is on that river. I think Dylan Sprouse still works or still acts as well, but definitely Cole is the one who's. I thought, he, I thought the other one this. was in some kind of crazy Christian. No, he went to God, he went the academic route for a while. I think mm. one of them was in a college. thing. I, I'm, I'm positive one of them was in a weird thing for a while. I don't know which mm-hmm. one it was. Um, but and then who's the uh, the other actress I know? What's her name? Catherine Kay. Newton. She was in okay. Freaky. Um, yep. She's going to be in this upcoming Abigail vampire movie that you're stoked for. Oh, cool. Yeah. Okay. yeah. And she was, I feel like she was just in something else, but those she's been in a lot of stuff in the last mm-hmm. few years. Yeah. Yeah. Casey, oh, what did you, Oh yeah. Casey, what'd you think of this? Um, I've been excited since I first heard about this because Frankenstein's in the name. So, you know, I've kind of geeked at that point. And knowing from the uh, early on that Zelda Williams was attached, maybe, you know, really got me in the all oh, Rob Williams daughter feel. So I had high hopes for this. And it turns out I really kind of loved it. I know I shouldn't say I kind of loved it. I loved the hell out of this. I really enjoyed it. Um, it kind of surprised me on how well it swept me up. It started out at, but you know, at the very beginning, I really liked the vibe that's put together for this. Um, it's, it's its own vibe and it carries through consistently throughout the whole movie, which makes it its kind of own unique thing. And I love that when a movie does that. And I love to see how well it came together. It's quirky. It's funky. It's nostalgic in places because it takes place in 89 and the soundtrack is a plus. And I'm like for Diablo Cody, I'm like 50, 50 as far as Diablo Cody movies go. I like some of her movies. Some of them I just have no interest in. I dig the kind of vibe that she puts into her writing. She's got a certain style that, you know, in her dialogue and banter and stuff like that. And I think this movie really shows that she's grown a lot as a writer. I think this is a really good output from her. And I think it's impressive on the both of them. So, yeah, this is a good movie. Joe. I was surprised by this one. It is normally not my cup of tea. I don't like romantic comedies. There's something about them that just does not sit well with me. It feels too cutesy, especially when the relationship that they're trying to kind of push forward. But this had just the right amount of camp. Um, And then as things were ratcheted up and you had some really funny gore moments or like alluding to gore moments, I can't not be a fan of another movie that's saying in the 80s, you know, have your sexual awakening by murdering some people. (laughs) 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 That telltale 80s homage mistake of way too many neon lights when everything was actually like brown and tan. And that's what I want. I don't want the reality of what the 80s were. I lived through that shit. 
Exactly. Oh, I, I thought this was, I thought this was a lot of fun. Great date movie. And, uh, yeah, no. So it was a, a high winter mark, especially for a February release. Yeah. I hope all the, the goth kids that are looking for something to kind of light their hearts and maybe hang out in a graveyard or two, possibly giving hand jobs, uh, go see this movie. Yeah. All right. <laughs> Love it. Only handjob show? Is that, that all they do in great? I assume. Listen, I'm not going to tell kids. I have to limit it at handjobs. Cold out this time of year. I mean, how about a little FB in? You know? They smoke clothes. <laughs> <laughs> smoke clothes. Yeah, that's what I remember about Goss. Rachel, uh, what'd you think? I'm actually so relieved. I thought I was going to be like the sole defender on the show today. But because, I mean, there's just some fil- filmmakers and writers who just write on a frequency that you resonate with. And for me, that is absolutely Diablo Cody. I have loved everything I've seen from United States of Terra to Young Adult to like Juno's probably actually my least favorite of her, of her um, things. But this is the latest sort of example of why I feel just very seen by the way that she writes young women and girls. Like nobody else is writing them the way that she is. Um, and I end up just feeling very connected to and reflected in her work. Um, I think it's going to be hard for me to be critical about this movie because I love it so, so much. (laughs) Like, I think you can pick apart some of the craft of this, I'm sure. Zelda, like I said, this is her first feature film. So there's probably some room to grow here. Or you might find some of the elements of the writing silly. I mean, it's supposed to be an homage to the 80s. I don't know if you've watched an 80s comedy or a John Hughes movie recently. I just revisited Weird Science. It's absurd. <laughs> this is so much more grounded even than that. Um, also, oof, one of the most uncomfortable movies to rewatch. I don't recommend it. Um, so, but at its heart, like, I just think its heart is in a really great place. And this movie made me feel something that I have not felt in a very long time. It's the way that I used to feel when I would watch movies like The Heathers or Edward Scissorhands, like just a little bit less dead inside. And it was nice to feel that way, even if it was just for an hour and 40 minutes. Yeah. (laughs) Well, um... I don't have much of anything critical to say about it at all. I feel like you were trying to counter-program me there, but you didn't have to. A little bit. Um... I see you, Rachel. Come on. Uh, here's the problem with a lot of horror comedies, and not this one. The problem, and we review a lot of these movies. We just did that goddamn prog rock movie. Don't like. Don't get me started. They're, I, in my opinion, like too often made. I, I think it becomes an issue sometimes when they're made by people that are like h- hardcore horror fans first, because mm. like those people don't know how to make comedy. Like they yeah. just don't. The best horror comedies are movies that this movie evokes, like The Burbs. This movie is like The Burbs meets Heather's meets Edward Scissorhands. Not that that's a comedy, but like weird science. <laughs> yeah, there's some weird science in there. But really, for me, I was feeling like Heather's and Burbs the whole time. And it's not just the writing. Like there is a tone and style to the comedy that is the accuracy. Again, like uh, you're saying, Rachel, it's a little more grounded than that because I think it has to be. Because audience just expect that, but it does. It, it it is whimsical in a goofy, funny, gross way that a lot of those movies were. Um, but it also like shout out to Williams for like it. It looks like a '90s movie. 
And that's, I mean, you yeah. want to speak to, to my heart here. That's what we should be doing. You want to go a step further, shoot this thing on film. And like, I would be telling you this is the greatest movie ever made. Right now. <laughs> uh, they didn't, but that's fine. But again, like Joe, they get that neon thing in, but it's, it just, being written by somebody who gets comedy. Now she's got a style and it's not everybody's thing. I've only ever seen Juno and I love Juno. I think that's a great, obviously like it has issues going back and revisiting it. But like, I mean like uh, subject wise, there's things now that you'd go look at and be like, Oh boy. Okay. Um, <clears throat> I don't think Jason Babin would have taken that role in hindsight. Maybe <laughs> let's say that. <laughs> Well, no, but I love it. It's a, it today. it's a funny movie. Like the parents in that movie are just like two of the like funniest characters to me. They're so good. Uh, but again, like she's approaching it from this perspective of like a comedy writer first who also loves horror. And you just feel that the comedy chops are just there in a way that they aren't in a lot of modern horror films. Yeah. Um, huge shout out to it's Cole Sprouse, right? For doing a thing like, completely wordlessly and being really funny with like a lot of slapstick humor. I don't know a lot about him, but I, you know, I'm sure a lot of people just connect him with some of his like childhood roles and probably don't take him very seriously. Obviously if you're into Riverdale, you've seen him a lot more, um, but he's really funny and he kind of like the two of them together have so much chemistry. She's really funny. Um, I mean, the, the, some of the stuff about the Hitachi, like those were the best jokes in the movie. Yeah, <laughs> when she's like trying to explain it to him, like, um, and they don't do like don't they, they make a smart decision to have. I love you know the thing about the tanning bed being the thing that kind of um, yes, like like I'm trying to think of what the word is. It's like it's like an easy bake oven for his new parts. Like it yeah. sort of like locks them in. <laughs> That's silly and makes no sense, but it's right out of those '80s movies. It's exactly mm-hmm. weird science. What or is any that? Ex- and it's Doctor Frankenstein's lab, all packed into one. Sure, but what I mean is, like, it's absurd in a way that '80s movies, '80s movies, yeah. like modern movies, and it's why this is charming because it doesn't do this. But modern movies do feel this self consciousness about having to explain over the top stuff to you, at least enough to get you to buy it. And this movie just doesn't do that, which is why it reminds you of those movies. Like it's just, you're just buying, it's just part of what's going on here, this tanning bed thing. But the smart thing too, is to make him each time he goes in it, he gets like progressively less gross, Mm -hmm. which gets it to a point, which gives you both the best of both worlds. You get the funny humor in the beginning of him smelling bad and being disgusting and like worms (laughs) are coming out. And then he, and then he gets to be like hot dude at the end so that all that stuff can, you want them to get together. Right. Cause he's not just like a rotting corpse. And again, it's like, it just makes sense where they want the movie to go. And, and it works. Um, Mm -hmm. The other person in this movie that should like get a fucking Oscar is, um, uh, oh my god, what's her name? Carla the stepmom. Yes, she is like <laughs> ice cold and terrifying, but also <laughs> hilarious. There's some stuff with her character I want to talk about, Rachel, because I find her this. Because again, like because it's Diablo Cody, like there's uh, some really interesting commentary I feel like going on in this movie as well. Yeah. Um, I am. This an is the best. Person. This is the best horror movie I've seen all year. It is fantastic. 
It really surprised me. I hate the name. I st- I'm embarrassed to say this name to other humans when I have to tell them what I watched. <laughs> but also, but like when you see the movie, you're like, all right, like, uh, yeah, that's what I would call this movie. So I, I don't have a better title, but um, <laughs> it's great. No notes. Yeah. Oh my God, I'm so relieved. I think I just have like post-traumatic Jennifer's body disorder. Like I just go into every Diablo Cody related yeah. conversation. I like, never even, ready to I fight. Never, and I never <laughs> even saw that. And I like Juno, which is the one that everybody's like, oh, Juno. Like it's oh just God. a funny movie. At Michael what point Sarah, do I who get a love, staff pick? <laughs> who doesn't love Michael Sarah? Well, yeah. you were talked about like with, um, well, like with the tanning bed being the analog for the whole science lab and everything else and the eight connection to the eighties movies, they made a lot of economical choices in this, which I was really surprised with, with Zelda Williams as a first time filmmaker. Cause it's common to see first time uh, directors get a little too wordy and stuff like that. This movie is very economical. They don't waste time on explaining all the science to us and stuff like that. It's all pretty brief. Like at one point he knows, Cole Sprouse, or the creature, knows that he got struck by lightning and brought him back, and he so he draws the lightning bolt on her hand. It's a genius. It explains what would be a five-minute info dump in another movie, you know, in a lesser movie. Mm-hmm. And those little choices like that, I just thought it was super impressive for that first, you know, for that first-time directorial debut. There's some really good filmmaking choices in here that I think are impressive. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And there are a lot of really cool visual elements to this. I think we've talked about sort of the lighting, playing with the neon lighting is really cool. But it's I lit also, so. The whole thing is lit so well. Yes. Yeah. And I, I mean, obviously, it's a color combination I enjoy of the hot pink and the teal. But I also loved all of the animated sequences, particularly and her dream sequence. I thought were really, really cool. Um, oh, yeah. For, I literally forgot about that. The little like Victorian paper yeah. thing right the animation yeah mm-hmm. I love that and the way that she kind of I know she De- Zelda Williams talked about how she didn't want to have an on screen sex scene because she was like this is not euphoria this is meant to be kind of like you know maybe skew a little bit younger and not be creepy um, but I thought the use of the animated sequences was a very cute way of communicating that and because it was sort of a repeated motif throughout the film it really worked mm-hmm. well she did a lot with that kind of effect too because that's she wrote relied on that a lot to make this PG-13, especially with the kills, which I thought was genius. The whole aberration scene uh, was perfect because you saw it all in shadows with a splash of blood. It was genius. I did love the slow motion blood splashes on everybody's face. That scene was great. And I, you know me, I'm a slut for slow motion. So like the fact that the whole scene just went slow-mo was like, yes, please. Another t-shirt idea. Slow motion slut. I mean, Joe, what did you think of the ever, ever rate scene? I think you, you were saying something to me off, off the thing about it. So I think I was laughing too much at what was happening in front of me, which was clearly a dad and his nine-year-old son movie hopping and coming into the theater about two minutes before the dude's dog gets shot off. But the dad's sitting there on his, first off, the dad's sitting there on his phone the entire time. Everate. And the son, you can see the son like look up, like look around, and me and the wife are like, in oh, tears, no. like two rows behind them. It probably seems like we're laughing at the movie, but we're laughing at the fact that this child is seeing dicks cut off. 
Um, and it also helped that when we realized it, I had like my Kobe moment. I turned to Laura. I was like, she's like, they weren't here. I was like, yeah, but hopefully something weird happens. Like genitalia flying across the screen, not knowing I was literally calling you, what was about. You to it. Shot? Oh my God. Yeah. <laughs> I threw my hands up like this, like it was a victory moment. Uh, But yeah, that was, uh, it it was the perfect like moment of catharsis for the exact tone of the movie, especially when things have to suddenly start sliding kind of back towards reality and consequences were going to have to start to tie things up. So I I thought it was, you know, a moment after that scene. So first of all, because you've seen the movie up until that point, you know where it's going. Right, like you know what's happening with this thing that's been cut off. The moment after that, where they're in the graveyard and they're making out, and the cop runs up to him and he just picks her up and dumps her in the hole. (laughs) (laughs) That was so funny. It's just a throwaway little joke. It is so funny. And all you hear is, (laughs) I just loved all of his his uh, you know his all of his physical comedy really worked for me dumping yeah, the body definitely. and there's a great example and then the follow up scene where she's like actually attaching it and he's like peeking that whole sequence is and he's like posing is hilarious and i think you yeah. got to give it up to him for really kind of like buster keatoning his way through this movie and i i did not <laughs> i was not familiar with his work i'm too old to be a disney kid and i did not watch Riverdale. Yeah, I mean, yeah, and i am like a- Turned out on Cole Sprouse after this movie. He is well, so great in this. Out. I was going to say, I watched, <laughs> I watched the first few seasons of Riverdale and it was still like about the comics somewhat before it got stupid. But I always loved him in this. I'm officially a Cole right, Sprouse fan good. after this. <laughs> I mean, but see the two. Him as Jughead in this, I mean, he's always going to be Jughead. I love the so. running gag about how his tears smelled so bad that it was making her throw up. <laughs> Very funny. I really like <laughs> his. I feel like that scene with the worm too and the food was like almost like a, a dead alive homage potentially. Mm, like it probably was, yes. Yeah. But look how much physical work he did with that closet. There's two different scenes of Cole Sprouse doing physical comedy with the closet. Mm-hmm. The first time it's was true, finding it's stuff true. in the bottom, and the, then there was the clothes changing montage. <laughs> That's so 80s too, where like he's like, No, you're gonna wear this, and then he shuts the door. Yeah. New man. So my only like logical inconsistency inconsistency that I wanted to point out to the, like the wife the entire time is so Lisa's complaining about the like the smell that is emanating, especially if he gets like emotional. But then she's like starting to garner more of a romantic relationship. Did she even come to consider what was about to happen with the other body fluid smells I, that would possibly <laughs> emanate? <laughs> Joe, you are a deviant, but also I had the same exact thought in the theater. Well, my thought, oh my. my thought like that was uh, after when he first showed up and puked on her, and she like fell out the window on top of him. Wait, though, she had the big stain on her jammies. She didn't change Joe, her clothes. Joe, <laughs> but that member was not his. It's true. That's a good yeah, point. Assuming it was the whole thing. Yeah, no, um, and there was because you you saw no, you saw the ball well, the balls on shaft. Yeah. Not to be so. This I think person. we're good in that department. But he then. cries at, 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 between the time where it smells like a 
toilet at a circus or whatever she says. And (laughs) and when they actually do the deed, and I there's a moment where he cries and it doesn't smell bad. So I think he's like regenerated enough. He also is getting yeah. He's he's like okay. Don't impugn the man's semen, sir. That's so really funny. I'm just trying to work through this in public. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> Let's talk about some of the themes of the film because the, the thing that I obviously, Rachel, I love your take on this because I'm as the erudite member of BGH. I'm sure you thought about oh, it. Oh dear, <laughs> I was. But the one thing I was like really fascinated by was Carla Gugino's character, who like is is very clearly a narcissist, mm-hmm. yet is listening to these self help tapes that are basically like you're an empathetic person who's very sensitive to other people. And there's one scene where it's actually kind of background noise, but I was so fixated on it. I was like really listening and it's talking about like how sensitive people have to watch out for abusers because they like take all their energy and how they have to, how they can like Mm -hmm. spot these people. And I'm like, this is crazy. Like this is so that felt so pointed from a screenwriting point of view. Um, they mentioned va- uh, psychic vampires in that yeah. tape. Yeah, I mean, but like that's what she is. So that's why it was yeah. so interesting to me. Like the fact that that character, uh, what did you think of that, Rachel? I mean, it's kind of the running joke, right? Anybody who describes themselves an, as an empath or an IP are usually the most narcissistic people that you'll ever meet. It's like the biggest red flag. And so I think they're kind of playing with this idea of like the delusion that people consider themselves and I like identify as an empath. Typically, yeah. tend to be yeah, the most. I that's person. interesting because that's yeah. like a that is a a modern critique well, in yeah. this film that's essentially set you know set in the eighties. At the same time, though, those kind of way out there self help programs like she was listening to were a thing in late eighties. No, too, for, so, she I might mean, have been like, listening to like a synonym thing or something. For yeah, sure, you know? but it feels like it feels yes. like a thing. She has yeah, big ass uh, It feels like a thing aimed yeah. at sort of like maybe some of the pitfalls of like the normalization of therapeutic language, which is that it does help a lot of people, but mm-hmm. it also helps a lot of like Ill- bad actors too, right? Like, yeah. It's just, yeah. I thought that was interesting. Well, that yeah. relationship with her and Lisa. So, like, it's so put out front for her character. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Well, that relationship with her and Lisa is very on the nose 80s stepmom trope. Too, but it was cool because they offset yeah. that with making the stepsister actually not terrible. Yes, I like that, that. Yeah, Taffy yeah. is actually a really interesting character, and I feel like the biggest sort of indicator of the way that Diablo Cody has been writing women, like if you go back and watch Jennifer's Body, Eric, you should. It's all about horizontal hostility. It's all about sort yeah. of the love push pull tension jealousy that is between young women, and this one really subverts that trope by allowing Taffy to be actually kind of the best. She's person. a well, yeah, she's a well rounded character. Whereas in like yes. many other movies, that would just be like the wicked stepsister. Yeah, yeah. and I think Diablo is conceited traits. But she's allowed she's to have all of it, the yeah. good and the bad. She's just a human. Yeah. She's a kid. Yeah. And and Diablo is like speaking directly through her in that speech, not through her, but through um, Lisa in that speech in the car where she talks about like, you would have been the girl who bullied me that, you know, mm. that was unkind to me, but you actually were the kindest to me. And I see it. And it was kind of like, she's talked about how all of those dynamics that we have in like in the way that we talk about girlhood is rooted in misogyny and patriarchy. And this is like a, the Taffy character is 
a direct rejection of that that like is very intentional on Diablo Cody's part. Yeah. And you can also get that dynamic with her and Lisa's dad, which mm-hmm. there's the whole dynamic with Lisa's dad that he's kind of checked out on her after everything that they've gone through. And he's I mean definitely got t- uh, t- attached to Taffy as his I daughter. recognize that dude. He's checked out on life, Casey. <laughs> Yeah. I mean, do well, you think he just wanders onto set and they're like, we'll call him dad? Like, because he, he's the exact same character in Stranger Things. I was going to oh, say, I, in, who's yeah. he's, the da- he's Mike's dad in Stranger yeah. Things. And it's just exactly yeah. this character. Interesting. It's literally, he walked from one set to the other. <laughs> Ironically, I tapped on that show in like season two. I was like, I literally don't understand why people watch this show. You don't want to see Eleven scream at something? I don't, <laughs> like, I don't get it. And then roll credits next season. <laughs> but, but listen... <clears throat> I would argue that this film actually does what Stranger Things is trying to do much better. Mm. And that is like, feel like a true homage to the eighties while still having its own heart and its own like human story to tell and not just feel like a hollow shell of an old commercial or something. Mm -hmm. I haven't seen the newer seasons. Maybe I'm like dismissive about it. I was going to say, I don't fully agree on your views on that. Stranger Things, but that's okay. But I do think there are, I do think they have improved on that formula with this movie. I'm just saying, I don't think Stranger Things is that bad, at least for me. I I see, but I agree with you. I'm just over here lobbing bombs. That's fine. I know. Um, Yeah. That show like satisfies my like Stephen King itch, whereas this one feels much more like wish fulfillment of the movie that I wanted to see when I was. Oh, you know what else it kind of reminded me of a little bit? Is the two Elvira movies, like specifically the one where bit. she's she goes to the, t- the small town, not the medieval mm-hmm. one, the other one? I can't. Mistress I think of I don't darkness. Remember. Yes, yeah. yeah. Just a little bit of that same slapsticky, goofy kind of vibe. Yeah, mm-hmm. yeah, I can see that. I love that. Catherine Whitting. No, that's Newton. Vi- she's from Vikings. Catherine Newton. Um, <laughs> I really loved her transformation in this movie from beginning to end as Lisa oh, yeah. transformed, but I think she did such a great job with this. It's awkward, whatnot. There's one point that uh, when she got called to the principal's office in the school after the handsy kid got uh, disappeared, and the cops said something about they Fucking saw somebody, him walking with somebody with a weird walk. And I never noticed it until they showed her run out of the office that she'd been walking the whole movie like with her arms behind her. (laughs) (laughs) It's great too because like instead of doing the you know the Ali Sheedy and Breakfast Club where the goth mm. girl gets changed into like the, the pretty worst. girl. Like that's the kind of meme now where people look back at there and they're like, this is the biggest travesty in yeah. film history that they did this, yeah. this character. Whereas like in the, in this film, she actually just becomes more of herself. She becomes like a mm-hmm. super goth basically. Yeah. Um, and as part of that, and, and manages to connect with her sister who's a completely different kind of person while mm-hmm. they're both just kind of being themselves. It is hilarious that like she's having this heart to heart with her stepsister Immediately after she just watched her like boyfriend get <laughs> murdered, basically. And like that seems funny because she is having that. I, I was a little like, how am I supposed to take this right now? Because she's having the heart to heart, but this girl's like traumatized and just trying to run away. 
Yeah. It's so funny how there's these real moments of you can almost see like a different genre bleeding in, whether it's the home invasion axe murder at the beginning of the movie when we get the flashback or when we see Taffy walking away just like covered in blood end of Texas Chainsaw Massacre style. It's it's an interesting tonal shift. It's an interesting tone. And, and yeah. you can see that Taffy is in a very different movie than the like whimsical love story that we're all enjoying. Yeah, and it gives us um, the the sort of like uh, you know sappy kind of happy ending. Yeah, um, yeah I'm with I, Joe. I bet, I, that's I not my jam. Movie, but... I, I bet that movie guide would not like this movie. It, it's a little morally <laughs> yeah. ambiguous, I would say. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. What do you guys think about sort of how it concludes with with the whole suicide element? That's what I'm saying. Like, it's pretty, um, that could be controversial potentially, like the sort Mm -hmm. of way that that all that's depicted at the end. It could, Mm -hmm. but it's also not like exploitative as far as the way they treated the subject matter. I thought it was very done. It fit very well with the movie and it wasn't that aspect. They didn't make it cartoony in that Mm -hmm. suicide theme. And it fit the story and it fit the outcome. And I don't think, I agree. It could be controversial. I myself loved it because all of us have a little, you know, especially us have a little darkness in our heart and it makes our little dark hearts happy. (laughs) (laughs) This is weird, but the ending kind of made me thin. I think it was just her and her like little mummy Mm -hmm. (laughs) and get up. Like remind me of Saturday the 14th, which is a movie that probably (laughs) I can see that (laughs) only Joe has seen, but have you seen that originally? I I used to rent that all the time. A billion years ago. Yeah. yeah, like as a fetus, I would grab it from the video store, but I have not seen it since. But man, what a but like what a list of movies to, yeah, be reminiscent of. It's pretty wild that that yeah. this is a thing in theaters in twenty twenty four. Yeah, Casey, were you excited to see all of the at some point pretty much all the Universal monsters show up in this? Like there was oh, like yeah. the swamp, like the creature from the Black Lagoon, Bride of Frankenstein, yep. the Mummy at the end. Yeah, it was it was a nice touch. The other nice touch of this movie, the soundtrack is phenomenal. Oh my God, it's so good. I mean, I think that's probably part of it for me is just the needle drops were so good and so perfectly placed. You know, like when we got to, when she's like running to the graveyard and the pixies are playing, I'm like, forget about it. I forgot that was 1989. I was like, wait a minute. No, it wasn't the 80s. I was like, fuck, it was the 80s. Oh, yeah. Wasn't wasn't that song, that pixie song in Garden State? Probably. I haven't actually Maybe. It's in some movie in the nineties where like but to your point, like I I associate that song with some nineties movie. So when I heard it, I was almost like, is this like oh, that was interesting? Yeah. But unfortunately, the freaking theater that I was in, the sound system was all jacked up. Oh and no. I could hear it during the trailers. And I went and told the guy, and he's like, Yeah, it's like calibrated to the movie, but not the trailers. Like if it's still an issue, come and get me. But like, so the music was not loud enough. Like, so it wasn't oh, no. to your, what you're saying, Rachel, the drops were like not really coming oh, through, which is no. kind of, a bummer. Oh, that's a bummer. But I was that like too, I was like, all right, it was fine enough that I wasn't going to go be a pain in the ass about it, but it was definitely screwed up. Yeah, and some of those were kind of like cover tunes, right? Yeah. Of the original I mean, 89 like- songs. Yeah, I think there's like an REO Speedwagon cover in there. Yeah, yeah. And <laughs> I will oh, say, I also had really audio funny problems. REO Speedwagon had, joke. Yes. Yeah, the whole, the, the the song, the like, your hands are a conduit. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. 
I just went to the theater and saw it before the show. I, I had seen it already, and I went back and revisited it. And um, my audio problem was that Madam Web kept bleeding through, and I was like, get out of here, Madam Web. No one likes you. <laughs> <laughs> Except that one guy. Did you see that story, Joe? Some no. guy got caught in the, the- a theater at Madam Web. Um, oh, yeah. I did see that. Having some time with himself. Uh-oh. Uh, he's a Sydney Sweeney fan. He's got a thing for uh, lady spider women. I don't know. I really yeah. hope that was fake web stuff coming out of his hand. <laughs> oh, no. <laughs> oh, no. <laughs> oh, Lord. No. You are, there's no way you're the first person to make that joke. Oh, absolutely, absolutely not. No way. No. No. <laughs> We've got All two right, semen else? jokes in tonight, though. Can you go for the hat trick? <laughs> I, I, say, in you, Joe. I legit thought you done. were just going to say, can you dig it a second ago? So, <laughs> um, can you dig it? <laughs> <laughs> Anything else uh, about this one before we move on here? Just, I applaud the sexual politics in this. I watched it sandwiched between my two viewings. I said I revisited Weird Science since that was like one of the sort of origin things when Diablo wrote this was she wanted to make like a weird science, but through the female gaze. Um, And the sexual politics in that are abysmal. And in comparison, they're so good in this. Like, even though we do get a castration, like everything is incredibly um, consensual and female pleasure forward with the exception of the one sort of like hand grab at the party. And then we get actual justice around that. Um, and so, yeah. like, it, it is, when I say it's sort of the 80s movie that I wanted so badly growing up and didn't know that I needed, oh, that's another I was piece like, of that. You know what's so funny? I was like, did the creepy kid have to be, like, a short dude? Like, come on. Oh. <laughs> I did not appreciate that kind of representation. Justice for short kings. Yeah. <laughs> so, that felt very, point like, the character design of Doug, the little piece of shit who... Loves movies, but comes off as like the overly nice, supportive guy, but is secretly a creep. Right. That felt like a Diablo Cody special and saw it coming a mile away, unfortunately, um, just because there's too many of those fucking guys I out mean, there that. Yeah. Those are the ones you got to watch not, out not, for. Not, <laughs> you know, it's the nice ones you got to watch out for. Exactly. I, um, I also want to know from the Gen Xers here. Were people just casually handing out cups full of, um, what the hell was it? PCP. Was it? PCP at parties in the 80s. Like, no. I don't think so. I don't I feel like it was ever PCP. readily available. Yeah, don't you smoke PCP? I don't know. I thought, yeah. Uh, yeah. I'm a very shallow end of the pool drugs person, so I don't, <laughs> I don't know. That's a little deep for me. Yeah, granted, I was only a freshman in 89, but I don't remember anybody talking PCP in my school. PCP usually comes as a white powder, which can be dissolved in alcohol or water. Mm -hmm. Some people did drink it. But right, I would have associated with with smoking more than anything. Yeah, because it's like weeds laced with PCPs. And and that's the thing they always warned you about. Like, you never know if you're going to join it might have PCP. Who the hell has PCP? Also yeah, known as Angel get. Dust, which is the best drug name ever. If you're asking me, it's just a good name. That's good. Although marketing. now that I think about it, in '89 in Indiana, I don't know that we had PCP yet. <laughs> Somebody write in, you boomers out there. Let me know. You ever get handed a cup of PCP all casually at a party? It seems like a drug you do behind a closed door. Is all I'm saying. All right. Would you recommend this, Casey? Absolutely. Show. Yes. 
Rachel. The hardest of yeses. Same for me. We'll, we'll look at my list here on the other side. There is a creature alive today who has survived millions of years of evolution without change, without passion, and without logic. It lives to kill. A mindless eating machine. It will attack and devour anything. It is as if God created the devil and gave him jaws. Roy Scheider, Robert Shaw, Richard Dreyfuss. You're going to need a bigger boat. From the best-selling novel, Jaws, rated PG, maybe too intense for younger children. Hey, this is Sasha Jensen from Halloween 4, and you're listening to Bloody Good Horror. Casey, you know how I know you're typing? Because I can hear it. (laughs) (laughs) I got the fancy clicky gamer keyboard nowadays, so that's on me. (laughs) Um, Info at bloodygoodhorror.com is the email address. I'm looking at my list right now. I got ISS at number one. Were you on that show, Rachel? I was. That was the last time I was on, yeah. (laughs) Night Swim at number two, and that's it. So uh, we're just going to bump everything here and put uh, this at number one. I will say this is the first movie of the year that like, I don't know what the rest of the year is going to be like, but it feels like it could be a contender depending on how it goes. So yeah, do not expect Night Swim to be in the top five at least. No. (laughs) I just kind of that movie, like I have that one movie every year that I'm just going to be stubborn about and just decide that I liked after the fact. And that might be the one. Oh, Put your energy into Lisa. <laughs> you and me, the only no, people do, that's I our just number like one that this one. year. <laughs> that, no, it's. I did hear like mixed things on it. Like there were definitely, oh, and maybe that's. Thing? Yeah, there definitely seemed like yeah. it was a little divisive. But yeah, I, I even seen it on expected. Slack as well. Yeah, I like wrote my review, my glowing review, and then I went to Rotten Tomatoes to see everyone agree with me, and was like. Oh, shit. <laughs> oh, you guys, you can't do that, dude. That's a yeah. recipe for misery right there. Yeah. I just think that this is this is the cycle of Diablo Cody. My, uh, With the exception of Juno, everybody doesn't like it for a decade. And then it gets reconsidered. And then it gets, yes. And then everyone's like, wow, Jennifer's body is this amazing. I went to this, yeah. um, I was in Burbank last week and I went to this sort of like horror museum and it was the first time I've ever went in and there was a Jennifer's body exhibit like there was the whole recreation of her floating over the pool and they were playing the the I mean honestly like 
it maybe it just be my it might just be my like silos, but I feel like Jennifer's body has been fully like turned into a cult classic now in most people's minds. Yes. Yeah. yeah. People forget, like it's just it, this happens with a lot of things. I think people who are younger don't understand. Like if you were on the horror internet in like two thousand or like two thousand two, scream was like a bad word. You think of like how feverishly people are obsessed with Scream now. That was considered so that what it was called like trendy horror, and they would lump Scream in with everything that came after it. Like uh, I know you did last summer and Valentine, like all that stuff, and it was like the worst. So it was always like, oh, they just cast like teen idols, and there's no violence anymore. Like blah blah blah. It was kind of all like dovetailed with the MPA, really. Like. uh, tightening everything in the late nineties, mm-hmm. but mm-hmm. like, and it was very broy and very gatekeepy. But you'd see these images. Do you remember this show? You'd see these images that were like do, no yeah. scream, and there'd be like the like thing around. How do I not? Remember I swear to that? like, it's wild to have been around like in this community this long and just see how things change. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Yeah. To your point, like things, it changes all the time. And and I sense that a lot of those like hardcore scream fans are young, like probably weren't even around in the nineties, honestly. Yeah, Diablo Cody, I think, at least for me, like I talked about at the top of the show, she's got like a particular style and she always had Mm -hmm. that particular style and she puts particular messages into her writing and everything. Mm -hmm. And she's got like a cohesive voice to all of her writing. And when she first started out, though, it did it society itself that was kind of jarring, I think, to society. It's harder for them to latch onto her sometimes with some of the messages that were coming across in the way she wrote. But now let, let's be, let's be real though. Like I think that she, in a lot of ways was ahead of her time by writing like unapologetic female yeah, characters. That's, what, that's kind of what I'm saying. And I, and I think she was butting up into like very sexist, like film bro circles that were right. not interested in embracing that. And her, right, like, and now, her history of sex work made it like really easy to tear her down. And then they exactly. cast Megan Fox in that film and everybody wanted to tear Megan Fox down. I remember there being a lot of outrage. Where if anything, like her voice is the thing now. For I mean, and there's still people who like are never going to be into that, but like she fits in so much easier or better like with the kind of horror that's being made now. Than when than twenty years ago when she was just getting shit for everything or fifteen or whatever it was, and that's kind of what I talked about when I mentioned the you know that this movie this script showed a lot of growth from her from her because it feels more mainstream but it still feels like Diablo Cody, and mm-hmm. not that she's watering it down or anything, but I think she's learned how to hide it better from the normies yeah. that it pisses off. I mean, and I think you could I think you could yeah. I think you could very easily argue too that like a lot of those um, female experience centric films that we see now are like heavily inspired by her early work. Oh, Mm, for sure. Oh, for sure. Like she's almost stepping back into a scene that she had a big hand in creating. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I think that's probably true. I mean, she kind of got nailed for all the things that a lot of male artours are known for, you know, like the stylistic dialogue, the, the, she does like a lot of world building in ter- like with her dialogue. And, and that's what's, I mean, that's what's yeah. great about her. Cause like I, I've complained on the show for years about like just blandly styled and written films that mm-hmm. while maybe solid are just not memorable because they don't have a unique perspective. And that's what you're always getting with her. Even if you, you know, whether you like it or not, mm-hmm. it's memorable, which is a, a huge thing. That's a good, uh, 
mentioned too with a lot of the other uh, female themed movies that we've been seeing, they are so heavy, and it's seeing this coming across with a lot yes. of the same themes and stuff, and being so light yes. and lovable and just fun is a really kind of a breath light, of fresh air. Light, but like poignant and biting at the same time. Like you right. can accomplish all those things at once. Yeah, yeah. make great. It doesn't fun just again. have to be heavy and preachy <laughs> and stuff. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, I mean, because we've talked about how we have, like, sort of, we're just, like, exhausted by how overly used grief and trauma are in horror. So it's funny to see she's playing with those same exact themes, but it's actually really Yeah, like, there's all these jokes about how she should just, like, I think it's Carla Gugino tells her, like, she should be over it. Yeah. <laughs> like, less yeah. than a year later. Yeah. yeah. Speaking of, my mom collected those stupid precious moments. Oh, God, the precious moments. <laughs> There's still one like, in the bathroom that watches you when you pee. <laughs> All right, uh, Casey, what do we got on threads tonight? Yeah, we got a couple threads out there uh, tonight. Oh, you can do? Are do you have the Instagram too or no? I do not. Damn it, because I don't know where my phone is, so I'll find it. All right, first up, we have from right, right I now. Think I can log in. What movie did you first see and hated it, but then rewatched it and loved it? Mm. Prince of Darkness. That was a movie that I am obsessed with Prince of Darkness. Yes. It was a movie that I didn't, I didn't understand. I did not get it. And I feel like I I had to age into it a little bit. (laughs) I I mean, I still like, I obviously don't understand all the physics of it, but way more. And it was a movie that like, I didn't like it, but there was something about it that made me keep going back. And so every few years I would watch it and be like, no, I don't like it. And then one year I watched it and I was like, Oh my god, this is like the best. I love it. And there's movie. there's something about um there's something about the way it frames evil as an element mm-hmm. sort of that's always existed that's terrifying. It's very like Lovecraftian almost in that way. Oh, yeah. And the way they're talking about it is scientifically is just so freaky. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Absolutely. Yeah, I love it. Yeah, that oddly movie. enough, one of mine was, and it's that hates a strong word, but yeah, uh, you're next. I did not really like it that first time. The first time I saw it, and I thought it was kind of overhyped, and I didn't get what everybody's excited about. A few years later, I saw a few more of their movies and whatnot. Started to enjoy those, and it finally, I was like, "Well, maybe I should go back and check it out." And I went back and watched your next again. I'm like, "Okay, I was wrong. That was a lot better than I remember." Yeah. What about you, Joe? So one that was actually uh, discussed a bit on Slack recently. Della Morte, Della Moore, oh a.k.a. Cemetery Man. Yeah. I watched it the same day. I watched it after Lisa Frankenstein. Nice. Because the vibe felt right. Yeah. And that was a movie I did not like at first. And it, it's because it's, yes, it's weird for all the fun Italian horror movie weirdness. But again, at the heart of it, it's a romantic horror movie. And that. It never didn't work for me when I first watched it. Watched it a few more times and absolutely love it. Which uh, one was this? I missed one. it. Uh, Cemetery Man. Yeah. I've actually never seen that. It's, I just watched it's that last fun. week too. So shortly before I mean, going to see Lisa, Lisa Frankenstein, I, and I, I, I have a perfect double feature with Lisa Frankenstein. I will say yeah. that I've warmed, <laughs> I've warmed up on Trick or Treat through the years. I wouldn't say that I love it, but I don't dislike it quite as much as I used to. Nice. Hmm, interesting. Now, you're talking the anthology one, right? Yes. No, okay. the other one, I would take out. <laughs> All right. 
Next, we got uh, from Popcorn.Designs. Who are the filmmakers today that you will hit up the movie theater for? No questions asked. If Chris Nolan or Dennis Villeneuve directs it, I don't care what it is. I am there. This is hard to say because I don't really see many movies that are not for this show. And I just did not like, but the two people I would say are like Nolan and Scorsese and they both just released like the landmark films. And I just saw neither one in the theater. So yeah. I do not know. I'll go out in recent years. Yeah. Sorry. Go ahead. Chrissy. I'm good with Eric. I'm not as I outside of horror movies. I don't go to the theater as much. I still, I like to watch my movies at home where I'm comfortable. They, uh, but and this is not horror at all, but like the, another Christopher Guest mockumentary, I'll run out, no question that. To the theater. That's awesome. I like That's- seeing Ari Aster movies in the theater because I like to be uncomfortable in a group. <laughs> Ari Aster is such a good answer. Yeah, 100%. <laughs> yeah. Those, I mean, it's guaranteed that you're going to get a lot. Like the people that are in the room are a bunch of nerds, so they're going to behave. And then like it is going you're going to go through you're going to trauma bond through a movie together you know but they always make for great watches. Uh, you would think that well maybe at this point people are, who are in Ari Aster movies know what they're getting into but I always refer back to the the two middle-aged women in Hereditary who went because they really like Tony Collette Oh, and like, I don't remember the their exact Mario's conversation. <laughs> I don't remember their exact conversation when the lights went up, but they were upset. <laughs> like they were not happy. Oh, that's good. I like that. That's part of the trauma bonding. Because not everybody's up for an ordeal like us weirdos, you know? And that movie, yeah. see, like I'm more of a midsummer person. Midsummer's like a top five all time for me of any genre. And, and I think Hereditary is as good, but I have trouble watching it because it is... I don't think Midsummer is nearly as dark as Hereditary is. Yeah. Truly. Both, like Yeah, they're both pretty yeah. Because like that opening yeah, the ending scene. of Midsummer, the ending of Midsummer is psychotic, but also like there's this whole journey of like purging your emotions and and, and you could, it's a warped argument, but you can make an argument that that's like kind of a that's an ambiguous ending. It's okay. If we really dig into it, it's not. But you could make that argument, whereas like there is no argument with what's going on in Hereditary. It is just, it, I, it's creeping me out just talking about it. Like, oh God, I love that movie so much, though. It's yeah, it really is good. Yeah. All yeah. right. Good, good question. Next one, Eric. You might like the subject of this one. It's from the drummer from Fog Hat. Any of you ever listened to Cole Sprouse's audio drama podcast, Baraska? It's really good and dark as hell. Only two seasons, but I've listened through a dozen times. I have never, with the exception of Limetown, I have never found an, another like fiction horror pod, like podcast that I actually enjoyed, or any any kind of. I just don't get into it. Really, you're the one that turned me onto that video star on the Video Palace. Oh, okay. There's two Video of them. Palace, yeah. Video Palace is fantastic. Yeah. yeah. I would throw in for if anybody has listened to the Lovecraft investigations, those are really great. It's Ooh. like a BBC, um, it's a BBC production and it's really, really well acted because that's the problem is I never can like, there's not enough verisimilitude to draw me in. But it's like if a invest, like a true crime podcast took place in a Lovecraft world. So, and then it blends cool. all of these other sort of strange phenomenon that have been, you know, <laughs> Like 
all these things come together in this sort of like Lovecraft world. There's three or four seasons and it is excellent. You have to start at the very beginning though, because like characters carry on throughout. Hmm. We're road tripping this weekend, so I just added that to my list. <laughs> you're going to be in in Lovecraft Country, essentially. That's a perfect one. It's so yeah. everybody I've talked into trying it is is obsessed with it as I am. It's so nice. good. All right, what else here? We've got two more here. Next up, Elizabeth underscore three six one two. Did you see the Le- Lisa Frankenstein official trailer? If so, did it affect your enjoyment level? I went in blind and had a blast, but saw the trailer and thought it spoiled so much, I don't think I would have enjoyed it as much. I don't remember. It's definitely possible I saw a trailer, but I, I don't remember. Yeah, I don't yeah. think I... I think I'll I only watched things. the teaser trailer. Yeah, I think I just watched the teaser trailer. That was the only thing I watched and wrote about. Yeah. Whatever trailer I saw had the When in Rome song, and that was enough to get me like to the door. So, yeah. No. <laughs> there you go. Understandable. All right, last up from Kalanat. Right now, there seems to be a real Frankenstein moment happening. What classic monster would come back around next? We'll come back around next. Are we due for zombies again, or will there be a new glut vampire movie? I mean, zombies kind of never went away. Yeah. We do have Abigail coming out. A vampire movie. Mummies Mummies are feeling neglect. If there's a movie that I feel like could legit get a Mommy. remake or a sequel, it's Monster Squad, honestly. Oh, yeah. That needs a little bit of an update. <laughs> well, uh, yes, but you, you could do it. Yeah. Oh, for sure. I mean, that's the thing. is it, That's one that I have a deep affection for, but I always kind of cringe through parts of it, and I would love to see a, a modernized version of it that I could just enjoy without paying the 1980s psychic cost. Yeah. I would love to see uh, maybe a new creature movie. Yeah, like because we've we had the Invisible Man, or at least in that great turn that Blumhouse uh, did. Yeah, I don't want any more vampires at the moment. I know we're actually getting a bunch of vampire movies coming yeah. up, so that's actually the answer. Is it's going to be a bunch of vampires because you have Nosferatu. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, I think you have another Dracula origin story coming out. Yeah. I was really sad. There was supposed to be one directed by Karen Kusama because they were trying again to kick off mm-hmm. the Universal Universe, but that didn't that like fell apart. But I feel like there's another, like maybe like Maggie Gyllenhaal or someone is directing. A she's doing movie. Bride. No, she's doing oh, Bride, Bride. Of Frankenstein. That's what it is. Yeah, hmm. with Christian Bale as uh, Frankenstein. Yeah, I mean, and that was kind of um, you know poor things, right? It was very Frankenstein-y. Mm-hmm. Birth, rebirth, yeah. angry black girl and her monster. There's been like a twenty twenty three. Casey's year. Yo, I'm here for it. All right. Anything else on threats? That's it. All right. Um, the other Caitlin from Slack has a great question. What is your favorite song that name checks Frankenstein? I have an answer for this. It's so Teenage I. Frankenstein by Alice Cooper. Nice. <laughs> that they play prominently in. Jason lives. Didn't he also do great feed one. my Frankenstein? I guess that's the only other one I know. Did he do more than one Frankenstein? Oh, he might funny. have. He did that. He did. Yeah. Frankenstein, which was yeah. in Wayne's world. <laughs> that's why I know it. Mine's an I'll go rockabilly. One. Oh, Yo, there you go. no, go for it. Rockabilly. Oh. Eddie Thomas, Frankenstein rock. <laughs> 
Like nice. Uh, the Blobfest has taken my heart and turned it into a rockabilly center when it comes to <laughs> those sort of old, uh, the, the charmy tunes, and that one captures everything about it. I'm just imagining out of frame, you've definitely got like a stand-up bass hiding there. Uh, I don't, but I, I mean, I have a, a, a stand-up uh, Charles Barkley. That, that, that's my bass right there. Oh. That's, it. that's all I got. I've got like four bases back here, but none of them are stand up. You do, Joe, truly have like a murder basement. It's not the first time it's literally been described like that. <laughs> <laughs> uh, my song is, it's obscure, but the uh, Matthew Sweet, who's big in the 90s, has a song from not too long, like within the last 10 years called Lady Frankenstein. Very catchy. Check it out. I posted it in Slack last night. So. If you're a slacker, it's out there in Club BGH. All right. We are on to Instagram here. (sighs) Okay, Rory. Uh, What kind of monster would you prefer to date? I I don't. My answer to this was one who's gone to therapy. (laughs) 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 We can move on. Um, This one's better. What kind of pajamas do people wear? To bed. Spider hats aside. That's from Polly. <laughs> Reminder for the audience that Rachel wears something over her ears to prevent yes, spiders from crawling in them. Yes, I do. Leads. Yes, I do. The other day I looked up on the lamp and there was a spider and it was a jumper and I was like, this is why we wear the spider bonnet. You don't even really live in spider country though, do you? Like, it's California spider. Uh, maybe they're, yeah, maybe. Yeah, every, with those little monsters are everywhere. Nowhere you can go. Go to uh, the moon. This time, spider monsters up this there, time of year. I guess it depends on if is someone in bed with me or not. Because if if not, and it's the middle of winter, I've got like three layers on. Yeah, hmm. I don't I'm a pajamas person. Yeah, no. nah. you nope. guys are naked. You just going you going butt naked, Joe? No, I mean, I'm I'm in my, box. I'm I'm bo- but, my boxer kind of guy. Yeah. Hmm. yeah, in the summer with the kids, the it's hard to get up uh, in the all nude if I have to uh, deal with the <laughs> yeah, problem in the middle of the night. That's, that's not a millennial dad move. That's a boomer dad move. Like my dad used <laughs> to just wander around the house in tidy whities first thing in the morning. Yeah. Oh yeah. <laughs> like my, my dad's swinging dick was the phone in skin of a rink. <laughs> I just ever remember of like walking out and just be like, why is this happening? Oh man. <laughs> What's wrong with boomers? That's my question. <clears throat> I, don't know. I grew up in like a never nude house. Like no one was ever like, and and it's carried on. I'm a never nude myself. But ask Matilda about that. She grew up in a very naked family. I may have a shirt on in the morning, but I'm not wearing pants until I sign into work. <laughs> so you're just like Donald Duck around your house all day. I got my undies on, but you know, oh, okay, the pants okay. just slow you down. <laughs> That's funny. <laughs> um. Never nude. I'm a total never nude. If I could shower in jeans, I would. (laughs) (laughs) A little bit. (laughs) This time of year, yeah, because it's just, it's so goddamn cold here. Yeah. It's Um, definitely weather related and not. (laughs) I don't know what this means, Rachel, but I have a feeling you might. I can't, uh, this is from Little Boy Brew. I can't help but think of this as Lisa Frank Mm. Einstein. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, that's the Rainbow zombie unicorns, anyone? Yeah, nope. that's kind of the joke, right? Did yeah. you not explain that to me like I'm five? I don't understand anything. Remember, so 
Go ahead. <laughs> oh, it's like a, it was a thing in the '90s. It, Lisa Frank is an artist who did all of these. Like, if you think about those like '90s trapper keepers that were like covered with unicorns and like bright colors and and hot pink uh, leopard okay, print, okay. that's all Lisa Frank stuff. So that's that what makes the sense because we also have a trapper keeper related question tonight. There you go. I started to mansplain um, that, and it dawned on me. It's like you know, Rachel is probably an actual <laughs> aficionado. I'm gonna let her take that. <laughs> Yes, I've come here as the resident Lisa Frank expert. <laughs> it comes with the boobs. All right, we got a couple more. Uh, from Chris. Nope, from Zeems. Why don't people put respect on Diablo Cody's name post Juno? I think we covered that. It's a great question, Pretty and well. I would like to give you a 45-minute soliloquy on it. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, again, like it's it, <laughs> it. It's silly now because what she does fits in so perfectly with mo- the modern horror scene. Like, if if you still have a grudge against her, now, I feel like you're just like you might be holding on to old shit, sir, that you should let go of. Do they Catch still beat up? On, do people still beat up on her for her past, like a stripper or whatever, there for a while? I don't think that it comes up in the way that it did right after she won the Academy Award, but I do think it is sort of intrinsic to the misogyny around all of the dialogue that, uh, around dialogue. Yeah. Right, right. Yeah. But again, like you talk about things changing, like literally we live in an OnlyFans world now. So yeah. like it's a, not that your average yeah, person walking true. around has different thoughts about that, but your online people probably do. I just know, like you mentioned it before, but I just remember in that era that people gave her such a rough time about her mm-hmm. past. Like, I mean, when did business. she come up? The early, when did she come up? The early two thousands. Like it might as well have been caveman times. Like when you yeah. think about the the societal kind of milieu between mm-hmm. then and now. Yeah, totally. Um, if you could resurrect one person to hang out with, who would it be? <laughs> it's from Levi. This is, he does not say celebrity. I guess. My answer for this is always George Carlin. Mm, that's a good answer. Carrie Fisher. Yeah, <laughs> so that'd be a good one. She'd be fun. It's mm-hmm. like that. It would be like that episode of 30 Rock. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I love her. She's great. I just want to like sit there and hang out with her and her dog and hear stories about her. One life. of my favorite things about Carrie Fisher is if you go look at any of the like publicity back, I think it was during Empire Strikes Back. She's got like the biggest coconut you've ever seen. <laughs> of course. <laughs> Of course. <laughs> oh, R.I.P. Queen. <laughs> um, Joe, you got an answer for this? I do. Casey? Basquiat. Oh. Who? who? What now? Really? Why uh, Basquiat? I mean, other than his art. Well, really, it was the like the way like when he was doing his art in the street there at such an interesting time. And he ends up kind of blending what is essentially impoverished homeless lifestyle into a high end art world and being mangled and essentially eviscerated for it because they want to exploit his talent. And that ends up kind of exasperating the problems that create it kind of his genius and his inspiration and it ends up becoming its own sort of thresher uh i i think just being just having a moment with somebody like that is you don't get those what would you ask what's the first thing you'd ask (sighs) thirsty (laughs) (laughs) 
good. Love it. Um, two more questions. The last movie you were looking forward to and actually were not disappointed. This one. Lisa Frankenstein. Yeah. I have a feeling this might be a person who does not like this movie. Um, I w- had really didn't know what to think of this one, but for me, it was poor things. Like I really was excited to see that. That's actually my answer too. Blew me away. See, I still don't get to see that one yet, so I'm hoping. And that just happened. Oh, yeah. Casey, yeah. you gotta see it. Uh, I'm counting down the hours till I can get my hands on it. <laughs> Last question. Did you ever have a trapper keeper? What was your cool design? I had, well, I had, I got to do one every year. My mom was a school teacher and she was really big on back to school shopping. So, but I got to do one every year. So I don't always remember. I think I had one that had a mountain. As with most things, I'm sure I had the bootleg Kmart version and was probably really <laughs> depressed about it. <laughs> Yeah, I absolutely had a Lisa Frank one for sure. Like had like a, a rainbow kitten on it. Like just exactly what you would imagine I would have had. Yeah. From what I remember, the the girls trapper keepers always had better designs. The boys were always like solid colors or like mountains or nature and shit. Another feminist saw- win. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I had that uh, the Bobo Trapper Keeper that is like uh, like Casey said the solid color, but it was like the canvas. Like if you rubbed your hand along it the wrong way, you were possibly cutting yourself. But if you took <laughs> a paint pen to that thing, you could do great designs on it. Yeah, yeah. Well, that's what I was going to say with the plain ones. You know, the first thing you did was poke a hole in the plastic on the outside, the clear part, so you could put your own stuff in. Yes! Holy shit! You guys are taking me <laughs> back, man. You had to put like pictures and stickers and shit in there. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Cut pictures out of magazines and shit. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I just remember all like, you know, you'd see, you'd write, you'd draw the logo of the band you liked on there. There was like a lot of Primus sucks. And that stupid S, S that everybody started drawing out cool of S. nowhere. It's called yeah. a cool S. It's a cool S. Cool S. Y'all know what it is. It's the three lines. I know. Yeah. I'm aware. I definitely had the like bootleg Kmart skids. That was another traumatic childhood memory for me. Like, because real skids had the thing in the back, the like street sign logo that was like as car skidding, you know, but not the Kmart ones. I don't think I remember skids. <laughs> Were they shoes or pants? They're jam pants. Ah. But skids was like the brand. Okay, now Wait, I there are pants that were called skids? Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, I never thought yeah. about that until just now, Joe. That's funny. Yeah, like Zoo, you know, Zubas or whatever. Yeah, the like, like those NFL pants that all they used to wear in the 90s. Or, like, oh, shit. Like, like, they look yeah, like, like zebras zebra, and shit. Like, yep. like the cool brand was Skids. That was like the original Zubas huh. thing. Yeah, someone out there knows what I'm talking about. All right, but no one here got it. <laughs> Next week, uh, I actually know this. Wait, is it next week, Casey? <laughs> Never mind. I no, don't it's know. the week after next. <laughs> so, do we know what we're doing next week? We don't know what we're doing next week. Okay, I'm just kidding. The week after that, we're doing Saltburn with uh, Caitlin. It's going to drop by. Yeah. Um. So, but we don't know what we're doing this week, so we'll figure it out. Uh, Joe, when you're not here, where can people find you? Ah, you can find me on two different podcasts. One is Films at First Sight, and you can find that anywhere you find your podcast. The other is No Film Left Behind. Yeah. Love it, Rachel. Doing my thing. 
Yeah. Um, if you have not heard enough of my opinions tonight, which I would understand if you had, you can find me all across the Zombie Girls podcast network. I'm going to pl- do a little double plug here because two of the gentlemen that will be on current episodes or upcoming episodes are in the room. Casey's episode, we reviewed Blood Diner, is out now. And this weekend, I'm recording again with Joe and we're going to be picking... A- I told him to pick a weirdy and he sure did. Yeah, he did. <laughs> I did. Yeah. Oh, I did. That reminds me, actually... We had a couple of emails. You just reminded me um, about the other Joe. Let's see. So wait, where can people find that, Rachel? You can find it on uh, anywhere you get your pods, more deadly. Um, if you want to slide into the DMs, we're at ZG Podcast on Instagram, Twitter, Blue Sky, Threads, all the things. Um, all right, you know what? I'll save these for next week. We're good. We'll wait. All right. <laughs> I will get to the emails, I promise. Uh, Hope everybody (laughs) enjoyed the show, and we'll talk to you next week. Bye-bye. Good night. Bye-bye.